We've been talking about Romans, and um, we're, we're going through it, you know, verse by verse. So if you want to turn to the scripture passage, it's Romans 15, 1 through 13, that we're going through today, talking about the example of Christ. My heart has been heavy, um, not just this week. There's been a lot going on this week, um, obviously, in our nation, um, and then just in my personal life and other people's personal lives, but my heart isn't just heavy this week. My heart has been heavy for um, a long time, and I don't think it's just because, you know, as, as Pete and I are, are going through the transition to, to become lead pastors and feeling the, the weight or the responsibility of that, but this is something I feel like God started doing a long time ago. And I feel like the, the thing with the body of believers right now is that um, my prayer, <laughs> my heart's cry is that we would look like Jesus, that we would think like Jesus, that we would act like Jesus. Not that when people would see us, you know, we would be their Jesus, but there'd be so much Jesus in us like he's transformed so much of us that they can't help but be drawn to it and say, what do you have? I need that. I must have that in my life. And the burden has just been for, um, like Bob was speaking to, division. It didn't start this week. It didn't start a few years ago um, necessarily. But what does it look like to be one as believers and I feel like the, the thing that, you know, there's, there, I, I want unity so bad. I want unity. That's been a prayer of mine so bad. But there's things that have to take place for unity to happen. We can't just say we want unity and try for a superficial unity where everyone has to look the same and think the same. And, you know, I'll say a lot of times unity is not uniformity. But there is a, a unity and a, a, a just a connecting and a, and a forming that I believe God wants to do if we will let him. He's not going to force us. Would we let him shape us and form us and mold us to look like him? The uh, example of Christ is the title of the message um, in this passage of scripture in different versions. They have headings that say self-denial on behalf of others or pleasing others and not ourselves. So the question we're going to ask ourselves today as we're going through this, yes, it's important for unity to happen, that there is a collective thing that we all do together. But right now, for you what does the Holy Spirit want to do in you so that you can follow the example of Christ? It's really easy to point the fingers at other people. If we're in a marriage, we can point at the other person. If we're a parent, we point at our kids or the, the kids point at the parents. Um, right now in our nation, we're, there's the other side, you know, or the in-group or an out-group, and it's everyone else's fault. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me today? so that I can look more like you. Okay, verse one. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. For each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, 
On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. And that's from Psalm 69, um, 9 there, and that's a Psalm of David. Now, we who are strong, strong means strong in soul, strong in conviction, strong in our faith. We are to bear, endure patiently the weight of others who might have weaknesses. And weaknesses there actually has to, it's talking about error arising from weaknesses of our mind. So we're supposed to please, each one of us is supposed to please our neighbor for his good, her good, to build them up. And whenever you see that word, you know, neighbor, I always think of the story of the Good Samaritan. That w- that's what we call it. The story of, of Jesus talking about who is our neighbor. A teacher um, or an expert in the law in, in Luke 10 here, at, um, verse 25, it says he um, stood up to test Jesus and asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think it's funny. We might answer that. Oh, we need to uh, ask Jesus into our heart. <laughs> Go to church. Read your Bible. Pray. And Jesus asked it, or said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. And he goes on to tell the story of a man who was robbed and beaten and how a priest goes by him. A Levite goes by him, and a Samaritan, and you can insert whatever people group you don't want to say that you have a hard time with, but you do. A person from the people group that you maybe don't think are as deserving of love, um, he came and traveled, saw the man, took pity on him, bandaged his wounds, took the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and said to the innkeeper, take care of him, and paid the innkeeper money to take care of him. And so he said, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Sorry, guys, I'm just going to cry my way through this. Um, our neighbor, we're supposed to have mercy on the people that we, we wouldn't tell anyone we did it, but we drove by, that we walked by. We saw the mom in the store needing help and, and just, you know, trying to wrangle her kids, and we, we were in a hurry, so we walked by. The person on the side of the road with a flat tire, you know, we drove by. Maybe there's people in your neighborhood that you walk or drive by every day, and you know they have needs, and you know they don't know Jesus, but you walk by every single day. Where's our mercy? Where's our compassion? Where is our love for God? Because remember, it's not just love your neighbor as yourself. It's love God. Let him fill you up with his love. Let him fill you, um, your mind, your physical body with his love, and it will seep out of us. 
It's not hard to have mercy and compassion and to love our neighbors when we're filled with the love of God ourselves. Who is the neighbor that maybe you're walking by? For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. I love that there. The endurance speaks to the character of a person who is unwavering. They have a purpose, a deliberate purpose, and they're unwavering from that. Even through the greatest trials, even through the greatest suffering, and like we we pray or we sing about hope today, and that hope is an active thing. Hope is not something like wishful thinking. Like I hope I'll get this present for Christmas. Hope is active. It is actively anticipating that God is going to do what he said he will do. That one accord there, the one mind and one voice, it's a really unique Greek word, and it's made up of two words that means to rush along in unison. And the image there is musical. One thing I love about the way we mix sound, you will not get this if you're listening on the live stream. I know because I listen to the live stream every single week before I come to church. You don't hear the voices. There's a lot of churches you go to where they turn the sound up because they don't want you hearing your own voice. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Or the person next to you, they want you to hear the voices of the worship team. When you're here in this building, you can hear the chorus of voices singing to God. It's a beautiful thing. And this image here is, is all these different notes, what we would consider good voices and bad voices, right? harmonizing and singing together in one accord. It's like the image of a concert and all the instruments being directed by the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful sound. It's a beautiful picture. And that is a picture of the way we're meant to live our lives in one accord with one mind and one voice. And it's crucial because if we don't do that, if we let politics divide us, if we let even certain theologies divide us, if we let certain socioeconomic, like there's an in-group here and an out-group over there, or race, or whatever the thing is, we will not glorify God, and the world will not know that they need him. That's heavy. So he says, glorifying God together, therefore welcome one another just as Christ also welcomed you. If you're a believer, do you remember what it felt like to be welcomed into the family of God? Do you remember what it felt like to know that your citizenship was in a different kingdom? Do you remember? So he's saying here that word welcome is accepting, receiving, but it's granting someone else access to your heart to take into friendship. Are we doing that? Are we doing that with other believers that are different than us? Are we doing that with people that don't know Jesus yet? For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised, that's the Jews, on behalf of God's truth, to confirm the promises to the fathers 
and so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. And he goes into some verses here that are found in different parts of the Old Testament. These are prophecies. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing praises to your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all of the peoples praise him. Some versions say nations. And, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, who is Jesus, will appear. The one who rises to rule the Gentiles, the Gentiles will hope in him. And I think it's interesting for how much of Romans, how much of the New Testament the people are like getting this kind of like hit over the head again and again and again. You're both in the family of God, Jews and Gentiles, men and women from every tribe and tongue and nation. You're all accepted. You're all made right. When you choose Jesus, we're all in this together. And however many thousands of years later, we're still having a hard time getting it, right? Jews and Gentiles, they, the Gentiles, that's us. <laughs> we get to be a part of God's chosen people. And it's interesting to me that out of all the prophecies, um, that they still had to talk about this over and over and over again. How to live in harmony and unity with each other and how to treat each other, how to love each other. One, we are to be one. The example of Christ is to be one. And I love that Jesus, before he went to the cross, prayed for his disciples. He interceded on their behalf. And then he said he included all of us in this too, because we're the ones that believe because the disciples went out and did what they were supposed to do, right? They told the world about Jesus. And so we now get to receive that and believe that because of them. So this prayer is for us, too. In John 17, Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, uh, the disciples, that all of them may be one. This was Jesus' prayer before he went to the cross. It's his prayer now. He's interceding on our behalf. Father, that they would be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So when we're not operating in one accord and one mind and one voice, when we're not operating in unity, does that mean then that the world doesn't know that Jesus loves them, that God sent his son to die for, for them? Jesus' example before he went to the cross was that of a servant. He made himself low. It was humility that had him wash the feet of his disciples and do something only a servant would do. And Peter didn't want him to do it because he wanted to not have his Savior and his Lord washing his feet. That was not okay to him. 
But that's the mindset, and that is the, those are the actions that Jesus took. Humble actions, low actions. How are you serving the people that you think are wrong? How are you serving the people that you think, I mean, I have had so many conversations with people about politics. I've told you I love to talk about that stuff or the state of the church right now or race relations. I want to talk about all the things. Um, But how often, I do this too, it's not just you guys, you think, I'm going to have this conversation with somebody so I can show them how wrong they are. I'm going to pray for them that God would show them how wrong they are. And how often do we ask, what, what's wrong in me? What's wrong in my mindset? What's wrong in how I'm treating people, other believers? What's wrong with how I'm treating people that don't know Jesus yet? How are you laying your life down for, for people from outside of your in-group, whatever your in-group is? How are you laying your life down for people that are um, older than you or younger than you? How are you laying your life down from people that maybe would never live in your neighborhood because you live in a nice neighborhood? Or maybe you feel like, man, I don't know if I could ever be friends with somebody um, who's from a different neighborhood, whatever that is. But what are you doing outside of your circle, your group of friends, the people that you love and you care about? How are you laying your life down for people in the example of Christ? Will you guys stand with me? that question to consider. What does the Holy Spirit want to do in you so that you can follow the example of Christ? What does the Holy Spirit want to do in me so that I can follow the example of Christ? We never stop being transformed. We never truly arrive So no matter how good you think you are, or you can look back at your life from 10 or 20 years ago, and you're like, I have come so far. That is awesome. There is still more that Jesus wants to transform and refine, like Bob was saying earlier. Refine us, Holy Spirit. Would you make us look like you? Would you help us? Because it's really hard. Would you help us to be like you and do the things you do? Would you help us to reflect you?